stereotype and shattering stigma of being an alcoholic or addict in recovery. This is the Since Right Now podcast, the podcast of SinceRightNow.com and Clean and Sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R. So we are recording. Okay. All right. And uh, it's episode two two. No, oh yeah, episode deuce deuce. Yep. Um, Matt back in the place to be on the MIC. That's right. Jeff, I'm yep. back sitting I'm over here. there. Yep. Hi Jeff. Hi Matt. It's nice <laughs> to see you back. Fancy seeing you here. Yeah, that's another week. That's right. Yeah, a good job. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> good job to you guys. Great hug. <laughs> So let's see, we're, um, in a bit, I think we're going to be joined by Marilyn of Waking Up the Ghost, mm-hmm. and she had raised a topic, I think based on listening to last episode, about the nature of, I guess, isolation in addiction and how mm-hmm. that plays into our active addictions, and I guess to some degree, maybe how when we're in recovery, too, it can be a factor, but... yeah. It's a great topic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really. Sorry. <laughs> but I think it's funny. I think what you, it was funny how much, when you talked last week, Matt, about how much your using was be, behind closed doors, how much mm-hmm. you were hiding, just the massive amounts of hiding mm-hmm. you were doing. Uh, I, f- I forget all that. Like how your disease just wants you to pull away, you know, and just, it, it'll do anything to get you apart from people, right? It'll yeah, it's Marilyn calling. Yeah. Oh. All right, Marilyn's calling. Hey guys. Hey Marilyn. Hello Marilyn. That's Matt. Hi Matt. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Good. So we'd actually started but uh I'll I'll just started. Yeah, we just started, but um we'll keep we'll get going. Is that cool? We'll just jump in. Basically we were talking about we just mentioned that you had raised the issue of isolation. And addiction, and I'm glad you're here to better explain um, yeah. what you think about it. Because we were okay. just going to jump in and start talking about it. Well, then let's do that, yeah. fellas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do can you maybe give us some um, some background on how you were thinking about it? Because I know you you tweeted me, and there's you know that's a. a, a abbreviated format and so I, i'm not sure exactly what you were thinking when you said uh-huh. well there were there were two things that really popped out at me with matt's pod, pod podcast one was that that i totally related to and one was that he he had a beautiful line he said he was made up of defects and grizzle I don't know whether that's your line or not, Matt, but it's pretty gorgeous. But, Thank you. But that was the one thing that, that what, what happens when you're not an addict anymore? You know, are you an empty shell? That was the one thing. And the other thing that you said, I thought, I went back and tried to find it, but I couldn't. I thought you said that you never really used in public, that you, were, that you did a lot of your, your bad, baddest things behind closed doors yeah that, that was very much the case not not a social user by any stretch uh, anti-social user i think for lack of a better term right and that's that's where i was uh, th- that was something that I, I i focused on when i was listening to you because i really related to it being i i, I mean i'm sort of a reclusive personality anyway and by the end of my tenure as a as a drinker, I really wasn't doing anything but holding up and drinking. And I think there's a lot of reasons for isolating when you're an addict, maybe not the least of which is conflict avoidance. You know, I never a lot of my friends after I um, came clean and became sober, a lot of my friends said, you know, what could we have done? We feel horrible. We feel guilty. And. There was really nothing anybody could have done. I, I really did not want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that part's definitely a common theme. The what I mean, yeah. I've had people even recently saying, "I, what could I have done?" Yeah, um, you know, all these years later, but yeah, and there's not a lot. No, mm-hmm. I'm learning that. Yeah, and and I think a lot of us spend a lot of time saying, "If only people would leave me alone," 
And then, you know, over the course of time, people start to leave you alone. Um, they, they will. And, and then guess what? Mm-hmm. You're, you're all alone. Yeah. Well, and Matt, I remember also from the, um, pod, the most recent podcast, you saying that you had bullshitted a lot of shrinks. And I, I think it's classic, you know, it's, it's a, it's a classic situation. You go to, to a psychologist or, or somebody to get help and then lie to them. That's what I used to do. It's actually cooler than actually holding like hundred dollar bills and lighting them on fire. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. that's basically what you're doing. You're, you're paying for this service. They're ostensibly going to help you. Yeah. And yet you still, you, you gotta, it's more important to protect your right. dysfunction. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, I've only gone to a couple of psychiatrists, but I do remember the one where I thought, what in the world am I doing? Because I'm lying to this guy. Every time it would get awkward or it would be a subject I didn't want to talk about, such as my drinking and uh, bad behavior, I would lie. <laughs> it doesn't seem to help, you know. Yeah, and I think that's that's what we do. I mean, I was convinced that my therapist in the early days didn't know what mm-hmm. she was talking about. She knew exactly what she was talking about. To get back to that isolation, yeah, when Matt just said, like, we spent a lot of time wishing people would just leave us alone, right? Leave us to our own devices and doing our thing. And ultimately they do. I mean, even if they even if they don't, even if they keep coming back, part of it is we figure out how to right isolate ourselves. And that's what we're getting to, right? One way or another, even if it's isolated in a, in a crowd, as it were, isolated amongst people that care about you. You know, I, I remember reading that, you know, the core strategy, even if it's not even conscious of the active addict, is you never let one person know everything, right? Oh, yeah. So there's never one person that knows the whole story. Yeah. Like, and, you know, that's where, you know, pulling geographics come in because mm-hmm. as soon as, you know, for mm-hmm. me it was, you know, I'd split my time between the West Coast and St. Louis because I had parent, parents on the West Coast and my, my uh, dad here. And, <clears throat> you know, as soon as my behavior became a little too aberrant on one coast or, you know, on the coast, mm-hmm. I, I came over here, yeah. out here to St. Louis and, you know, vice versa. Um, and so it never quite, neither sets of my parents ever quite got the picture of how bad it was. So part of the disease. I thought something else you had done was uh, this thrill of being on stuff and no one knows. And I remember that, like trying to, you know, take, you know, take a hit of pot or whatever it was and then Mm -hmm. be around people that no one knew. And this was this vicarious thrill of the disease. It is interesting. Just the, the construction of this world of lies, this web of lies that you're constantly living in. And I could never remember who I had said what to, uh, who I told a lie to. You're constantly juggling just bullshit mm-hmm. with people. And and I guess that is all part of the isolation. No one, no one person knows everything, right? No one can pin you down on how much you use or how much you, you know, drink. And it's, and the disease is constantly telling you, you don't need anybody. You just want to come back, you know, and just use. And ultimately that's where you end up. That's where we all end up just kind of using in this dark deck, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. by ourselves, mm-hmm. no one around, nobody wants it anymore. It is, yeah, it's depressing. It is depressing. And yet, you know, it's almost, it, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's exhausting mm-hmm. being an active alcoholic <laughs> or, or an active mm-hmm. addict and trying to lead. If only it were as simple as a double life. I mean, it's right. In, in my case, I felt like it was four or five yeah. current lives that each one had its own personality and set of rules. And I drank around some people, and I didn't drink around others. And some people knew I was in recovery. You know, and yeah, keeping all those plates spinning is yeah. just a freaking nightmare. And, yeah. And so, when you're all by yourself, you don't really need to lie to anybody but yourself. So point. it's a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, um, you can lie to yourself. You'd be like, oh, yeah. I, are we cool with this? Yeah, of course we are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> High five. I think mine was a progression to, you know, I mean, there there were, at the very beginning of, of my uh, tailspin, I was actively, I was out and among people and lying. And, and as, as you just mentioned with some people, I wasn't drinking around them, et cetera. But by the end, I was just making excuses. If something came up after seven o'clock, I wasn't going to be able to be there. So I'd have to lie. Um, or, uh, you know, I, I just really cut everybody off. And I'm sure I hurt a lot of people, but it really came down to being, when I think of my addiction, I think of a dim room, 
this this couch that I used to sit on in a den and 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 wine, you know, just bottle after bottle of wine. For for me it was towards the end it was uh I couldn't smoke in my dad's house and somehow I was respectful enough to abide by that even though he was he wasn't there at the end it was just me in this house and uh there was this box in the garage that I would go sit on and smoke and drink <laughs> sitting on a hard box in the garage which yeah. is just yeah. you know the, what a romantic the, picture, right? Exactly. It's never beautiful. It's never, you know, even when I was in the Bahamas, you know, I had a house in the Bahamas and it even, it even happened there. I would, I would start, I'd go there for a week. I, I, I had a little house on a small island on a private beach and I would, the, I would start the first day. I would see people. I would go for a long walk. And then by the end of the week, I would be getting up and drinking and sitting either in the room. You know, I was I, I didn't even go outside. Mm-hmm. So so location didn't even matter. It's almost as though I saw it a dark place. Mm-hmm. Isn't that one of the telltale signs of your. If you drink alone a lot, isn't that like the ultimate telltale sign that <laughs> you've got a problem? Right. Well, that, that you're a romantic artist, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that but, life is hard, Jeff. That's what it's I a sign of. I can't remember what those are, but I think you can go online and, and, and yeah. there's you know the, the, the five or ten or twenty signs of an alcoholic. Right. Mm-hmm. One of them is definitely yeah. drinking alone. And we did that one a lot. One of them is drinking yeah. in the morning, as I recall, as well. Yeah, morning. That's a good one, too. Mm. Alone in the morning. Is... <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, when we're starting to get out of control, it's amazing. You know, let's say there are 10 items on that checklist. If you can hold out and not have three or four of them, that's enough. You know, yeah. I used to remember saying to my, I remember yeah. saying to myself, hey, at least I don't drink in the morning. Right. right. And then it's, you just get to a point where your standards are lowering so quickly. Yeah. And you, you almost can't keep up. Right. And the, um, the fabulous thing about those, those, the fabulous, where did that come from? <laughs> the, but those, those, those self-assessments, I know I'm doing snaps now, but of the, those self-assessments is when you're doing them, you're like, well, kind of, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I don't know, but you yeah. know, it's like, yeah, not, does not it count hundred percent. It's brunch morning. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it was brunch, exactly. Yeah. Those. In the Bahamas, they call it Bahamian breakfast. Yeah. Everybody drinks at seven in the morning, so. That's funny. Hey, so Marilyn, so, you know, I realized when we had you on, the one thing I wasn't clear on is at the end, um, you, you had a gallery at some, at some point. Is that what you were doing at the end, running the gallery or or owning the gallery? Mm, no. Oh. Uh, I, and in fact, part of the issue for me was what I always call mitigating factors. Right. I, at the end, I didn't really, I wasn't accountable really to anything or, or, or anyone. I know Matt talked a lot about uh, jobs, losing jobs, right. not turning up when he was supposed to, disappointing people. One of my biggest issues and one of the, the things that the psychiatrist I lied to uh, it, it told me was when, it's dangerous to not have to be anywhere or, or right. be accountable to anybody. Um, you know, I had the gallery a few years before my, my great fall, but, but talk about a great business for a drinker. Sure. Yeah. And you know, it's funny in recovery, I think we're, we are all very accountable for each other. And, you know, I go to meetings where if somebody's not there, everyone makes an announcement that so-and-so is not there because isolation is like this precursor to a slip Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you don't even know you're doing it. I think your disease just kind of tells you you can miss this or it's a little too much work or I don't. And I think for us, that fellowship part's so important. And when and you can just kind of see people withdraw and not go to meetings. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's just this little bit of isolation. And I think your disease just wants you away from that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, and, and, and one of the things I was sort of reading before we all talked about isolation and alcoholism or addiction and... One of the things it, it talks about is, is, and of course, any 12-step program is being amongst people who will, who will do exactly that, ask you where you are, why right. didn't you turn up, et cetera. And, and for me, writing this blog, um, 
has waking up the ghost has been very helpful because every time I feel myself just kind of going back to that dark room, all of a sudden it's a it's amazing actually, but all of a sudden you're getting emails and 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 messages saying where are you? Right. And that's been very helpful for me. Um, because I'm not, you know, I, I go to AA meetings occasionally, but I don't go regularly. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Now, it definitely helps to have people who, who you're accountable toward, you know, who, who are, uh, who are concerned when they don't see you or talk to you or communicate with you in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's, it's tremendously disheartening when you when you're avoiding those people mm. you know the accountability at a certain point people just give up you know right. and, don't you uh, remember how annoyed you were by it i mean now i find it it heartening and and charming when someone is concerned about me i used to be absolutely annoyed <laughs> yeah. by it mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's that point when they stop being concerned about you and yeah, they know yeah. you're kind of and you're like come on annoy me you know I to... yeah and you know I was just thinking as we were talking about this sort of this act of isolating oneself and it because and Jeff said we don't, we don't really think about it it doesn't start out that way no. because I remember when I you know I went through that mm-hmm. huge period of my my addictions where I could justify it rationalize it and not see it because I like to you know, party for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. you know, I like to be around people, like to have fun, mm-hmm. like to drink, do drugs that weren't necessarily addicts. Um, and gradually over time, as you age and your addictions progress, mm-hmm. in, you, you have to isolate because the people that that you could be around that thought it was fun and cool, you start yeah, becoming less and less sad to them, right? Yeah. So you have mm-hmm. to get rid of them. It's like, hey, man, maybe you should cut down. But you were the one drinking 40s, you know, with <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to cut them out too, even the yeah. know, guy sitting on the... Yeah, eventually you wear everybody out. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're left sitting on a box in the garage. Yeah. Passing out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In That's that funny. dark room. Right. Oh. Or in the dark room, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's And that's kind of crazy that... Yeah. How we do that? Um, the lengths we go to. Yeah, I wonder if there's a if there's an actual natural progression to addiction because there there's all these stories of irreverence and daring do. You know, we all have the stories. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was Chris or who had the story of clinging to a building, you know, or a bridge. Or a bridge. Something. I tried to cross I the Mississippi on the side of a bridge. Oh yeah, I mean, I've got a, a bunch story. of those stories that. that could be considered daring do you know but after but after a certain period those you don't even do that anymore no no you're right you don't yeah exactly you don't have it in you to even be stupid no well and honestly that really is it at a certain point you you move through where it's it's crazy and funny to whoever's left around then it's just stupid shit you're doing and you're on your own like being left alone on a sandbar right mm-hmm. right and nobody's there and then you don't even do that then and quite frankly and what it came when it came down to for me was then you're just pathetic <laughs> then you're just again you know mm-hmm. gets back to like sitting wherever you're sitting by yourself passing out it's not cool anymore it's not fun anymore it's not irreverent anymore and the only thing that can make the realization you know that that self-actualized knowledge of how pathetic it is go away mm-hmm. is to continue doing it, mm-hmm. and that's where you know that's where I'd get in trouble. The only time I wasn't thinking about how sad it was I was drinking was when I was really drunk. So, yeah, just add alcohol. It's the the cause mm-hmm. of and solution to mm-hmm. all our problems, and right. you know, and uh, and it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah, that part didn't hit me for a, for a while. Is how how what a cycle that was, and how. All my behavior drinking made me ashamed that I had to keep drinking mm-hmm. when I was sober. And I just you never really put that together, but that's really what it was. Mm-hmm. It was just this constant cycle of horrible shame, and the only way to get rid of that feeling is to be drunk again. And then you do stupid shit and feel mm-hmm. shameful, and you just never get out of that. Oh, that's a horrible place to be. And don't you guys ever? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very honest here. Occasionally, I miss the self-medication, the, I occasionally miss not feeling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so much. 
I know I'm not supposed to say that and I'm not supposed to feel that, but I do. Well, you, I mean, you're supposed to feel however you feel, but yeah. that's what you do about it. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. It's, are you? <laughs> well, it's funny. I think there's a lot of people that will say to me, I, 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 don't, I don't think I could handle a life where I can't alter my state of reality right. sometimes by having a drink and blowing off steam. It's just so easy. Mm-hmm. And we all are in life and you you just normal people have a couple drinks and blow off this steam and right. for us there's just that option just not does not exist and yet we'll try anything food sex mm-hmm. whatever gambling to 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 have that thing where it just that feeling goes away and for us nothing works mm-hmm. nothing works and so you just have to live through it right you have to you find another way to to deal with that you know it's interesting i mean last time i think matt management brought up escapism yeah the notion of escapism, and I think you brought it up in the sense that that could also apply. I'm going to apply. Uh, here, here it is. I'm, I'm I'm definitely an escapist. I love getting lost in yeah. a movie, yeah. uh, a book, a piece of music, a video game, and quite frankly, that's now how not not to an addictive state. Although I mean, I do read a lot, but mm. um, you know, if you're addicted to reading, I can't imagine that. <laughs> There's a program for yeah. that, Chris. Yeah. R.A. There's a yeah. different, yeah. Prod, different but, podcast, uh, bro. I think that's a campaign, isn't it? Yeah. Get addicted to reading. But, um, it's fundamental. But, uh, the 12 steps, but you can't read. You're not allowed to read them. Um, <laughs> uh, but so th- th- there's that Escapism is where I find it. And what was, was the, uh, was, it was going to a point. You, you said we can't. Well, it's just that, it's that feeling. I mean, I get why you want. I right. get why you just want to. Have that drink to just numb the feeling. Exactly. For it. It's so right, easy. Yeah. Right. I, I can totally relate. And it's that escapism yeah. for me. Yeah. And that's what, you know, drugs, yeah. alcohol provided was an escape from reality as it stands, as it exists, I guess. A little big va- vacation yeah. from yeah. your head. Yeah. Um, and that's what, I mean, that's the core of it, right? We all just mm-hmm. want to. Yeah. And, norm, and normal people get to do that. Just have a couple drinks and it's cool. Yeah. And just we're just never gonna be that. Yeah. It's never gonna be that. But but I can relate. I can definitely relate to sure not having to to you have to fill that void somehow or find another means of escaping. Right. And you know, fortunately, I don't know. I found the same thing. Now I treat myself to reading. Yeah, it's, you know, because yeah. I can turn off for an hour or two and. I think everybody needs the ability to turn off a little yeah. bit. It's a yeah. huge part However of why I do it. However we choose to do it. Yeah. However yeah. we choose to do it. Um, but there, there is that, you know, when there's that point where alcohol and drugs is an enhancing agent. Right. And then I think it crosses the line and becomes just sheer right. escapism. Yeah. I mean, I think we could probably all agree. I'll speak for myself that I can't admit that, yeah, sometimes I wish that there was an easier way to feel better than I'm than is available to me now you know when I'm mm-hmm. depressed or anxious or um, you know in, any of those things or you know I, like I said I'm, I'm certain that I use things like I just you know listed to do that as best I can um, you know it's interesting too is I I speaking of normies and how they can I told my or I asked my wife I should say tell my wife anything to not ever use the phrase, you know, if she has a hard day at work to come home and she's a normie to come home and say, I need a drink because, yeah. you know, that's, that's not like even a, a notion that I want uh, my daughter to, to, to have that, that anybody ever needs it because the reality is nobody does. Um, you know, mm-hmm. 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 but uh, it's funny cause I, my wife's a normie too. And she, I can see after a hard day with the kids, like she wants a glass right. of wine mm-hmm. and you can just see it. And I know not, why. I it's not it. the doing that I have. A yeah, no, I know. It's, it's the notion that the normalizing of something like I need. Yeah. Yeah. To mm-hmm. do I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I think we, I think we've all touched on it, but it's, in fact, I was at a dinner party the other night and everybody got just shit faced drunk. You know, I guess no one was <laughs> particularly inhibited by my sobriety, but <laughs> <laughs> I what what I've been thinking about the last couple of days is just that that concept of these people all you know they did they they let loose they got mm-hmm. drunk but the next day they're up and going to work and mm-hmm. doing their thing and not thinking about drinking mm-hmm. yeah and I'm so envious of that I really am <laughs> because you know what I used to do is I would party and party and party but the first thing i would think of the next day would be you know drink, taking another drink right 
Um, yeah, that's crazy. Well, the yeah. mental back, obsession. Back to isolation, though. There's not, you know, I've, I've, there's not a lot written about isolation and alcoholism, but there's a tremendous amount written about isolation and as a uh, detriment or a, a, a warning sign with recovery. And I, I thought mm-hmm. maybe that would be something mm-hmm. Matt could talk about. I mean, I'm, I'm a year and a half sober. I haven't relapsed yet, so I, I don't really know what, what those super – I mean, I've read about what the warning signs are, but I don't know what they are specifically for me. But, but there's a lot written about the fact that, that isolation during recovery is a very dangerous thing and a harbinger to falling off the wagon. Yep. Yeah, pre- prelude to a relapse, you know, a lot of people would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think, I mean, it depends on the person too. I mean, there are people that need people, (laughs) you know, um, they're the loneliest people in the world. Um, but you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a diet in the wool, came out of the womb, like introvert, you know, extreme introvert, socially anxious, and nobody ever believes me. I don't get lonely. Um, I can, lose myself and that's probably part of the problem is I can lose myself in my own right. head or like I said a book or a movie whatever yeah. but you know I think it's to, I want to go back to when you're talking about being at the party one thing is can, can I go back to that for a minute the party you sure. were just at Maryland so you everybody got shit faced <clears throat> to me that feel as an introvert that feels astoundingly powerfully um, that's I'm more lonely there than I ever am by myself when I'm in a party or a group of shit-faced people, um, <laughs> I feel more isolated and alone than when I'm alone in those situations. Um, because it's a bunch of people that are literally, to, in my mind, it's figurative, but they, they feel like they're literally somewhere that I'm not, I don't get to go. Mm-hmm. And so in that, at that last shindig, did, did that bother you? Were you upset? Were you pissed? Were you, were you fine? Did you, are you? It took me a year. I, I would say a solid year. Um, before I could be in a setting like that without really just surreptitiously looking at my watch after about 45 minutes because I just was bored. Um, And I enjoyed myself until the very end when, you know, there were a couple of people who were really struggling putting words together and it was time to go home. But um, I don't, I, I, you know, I enjoyed myself. There's no question I... I, I, you know, I, I still have, uh, I don't know. I still have this sense of, gosh, I'd love to be able to have a couple glasses of wine and get mm-hmm. loose. I mm-hmm. still do. Does this mean I'm going to just, <laughs> am I headed for a fall guys? I don't know. <laughs> What's well, funny. You said that just, and I know Chris, you know, is, has, is, is an isolator by nature. Yeah. Right. Right. But I will so say I- just, just in recovery, there's a, there's a cliche that, that you know when someone starts missing meetings that, that every slip when you someone comes back in the room the first thing they will say is I stopped going to meetings mm-hmm. and it's it is always the same story when you have a slip and you come back and tell the story it always starts always like always I stopped going to meetings um, it's the first thing that happens and I think what happens is your disease once you the you know it's in your head right and it's this thing trying to kill you it will talk you into it any way you want. And the first thing it needs to do is get you away from those goddamn meetings. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Those alcoholics say they're right. filling you with full of poison. Right. So, and so it's really subtle. It's like, oh, we're a little tired tonight. We don't really need to go to that meeting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, you know, they want you want newcomers making coffee. You want newcomers speaking. You want newcomers any kind of commitment, right? Because it just makes your you accountable. Like the co- mm-hmm. I remember they made me make coffee, so I'd show that. Show the F up. And I would, because I didn't, you know, coffee all of a sudden, that's an important job. So it's it's such a game that your disease wants you to play. And it it's hard, it's hard to get you drunk if you're going to meetings every day. Your mm-hmm. disease, it really is. And it's gonna try like hell. So yes, Marilyn, like when you say you're not going to meetings that much and stuff, I'm that I'm concerned. Like I that just raises hmm. red flags for me. Well, and then one I don't of the know anything. It's important that Chris said is what? that that no one takes into account the factors of people's personal 
space and personal desires. Mm -hmm. I also am an isolator. I like, I'm, I never am lonely. There's a reason why I've listened to you guys from a remote island in the Bahamas (laughs) and I'm now on top of a mountain, (laughs) you know, I enjoy that. And it seems to me we should factor that in. I always feel like I'm being shoved into this scenario where I have to be in this big group of people when it's not natural to me. One's sobriety slash recovery is their own to navigate, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I know the least I think about the A's, the XA's here, but somebody on on Twitter just tweeted that they were going to stop going to meetings, but uh, they were going to use Twitter as their whatever home group or whatever mm-hmm. it's called, yeah. which I thought was really interesting yeah. because that's also an option that yeah. not regardless of, you know, AA or not, you know, yeah. wasn't available to me. Right. And it's, an, you know, uh, but is you, it an option? I feel heretical when I say that perhaps for me, um, it's a little unnatural. I, I feel like a heretic and so I don't know. Is it an option to, to, to try something, to do it a different way? I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it is. I think you, however, whatever works for you. Is, yeah. Here's the thing. To me, the bottom line, the baseline for any recovery, never mind sobriety, um, is that you're, you know, the, the AA does get a lot of stuff right. You know, I've, I've found out way late in the game. Obviously, otherwise it wouldn't be successful for so many people. Um, but you know the, the notion of rigorous honesty—that's been the bedrock of my recovery since the beginning. It's like I want part of why I got sober was I wanted to know who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who I was, um, and so I, you know, I set out, you know, in sort of fits and starts, and you know, you know, with lapses, but. Um, to you know, I want to make sure I know myself better than anybody else. And anyway, so what what I'm getting to is, as long as you're rigorously honest with yourself, you're not bullshitting yourself about what you're doing. And um, if you're, to, in my mind, working towards being the best you you can be, however you do it is fine. As long as you're not, you know, killing and, and animals and babies. <laughs> In actual sacrifice, or baby, uh, baby animals. Hey, I'm in the mountains yeah, the of, of, of I'm in the mountains of uh, Georgia. I think they kill. Animals. Okay, well, no, that's yeah. Animals are fine. You just, gotta eat just for food and <laughs> and their pelts. Right. <laughs> Use every part. Yeah, of you want to stay warm. That's funny, and you know it's it's funny. I think Matt and I talked about this last night. The program again because I think we've both gotten sober in AA, and mm-hmm. so when when people, I think at some point. To, to us, we think at you'll you'll end up coming around anyway when you're desperate enough, right? You'll yeah. end up just end up doing it anyway. Something like that. You'll just end up giving up and doing it. And I I can only speak for myself, but I know yeah. that you know I um any any objection or view of myself that I had it all it all sort of fell away once I was reduced to absolute desperation. Yeah. But my my view recovery really only applies to me yeah, in yeah. that in that the proofs in the proverbial pudding i mean yeah. if somebody's staying sober however it is they're yeah. doing that um if they feel fulfilled and they feel like um they're doing the right thing for themselves uh, however they arrive at that i think is is absolutely viable mm-hmm. i just know well, that for I mean, me i've never left i've never left an aa meeting and, and and said to myself god i wish i didn't do that right yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and honestly, the two key factors for me in in the two breakthroughs I would suggest were one, a break complete breakdown I had on a deserted beach. I, I hike and I you know I just had a complete breakdown and and a, a surrender. And the other was just this shaky, terrified, moment when I, you know, went to my first AA meeting, you know, pulling in and, um, my hands were shaking and I was so completely bereft and, uh, you know, just turning up. And as it turns out, I knew someone there. Hmm. I didn't quite know what to do, which when you knew someone in in an AA meeting, but, you know, we sort of nodded. And as I was leaving, 
and getting into my car, this guy just ran down the street and I'll never forget it. And, you know, came to the window and just said, you know, anything I can do to help you. And I just felt, you know, I felt that warmth and and Mm -hmm. embracing Mm -hmm. sensation that I certainly hadn't felt before. So I, I have experienced it. Yeah. And and just two isolators. Now that you guys have this <laughs> digital community, though, do you right. get? I mean, it's there, right? You mm-hmm. have a fellow, an online community or something that has worked for you and Marilyn. Obviously, from that's my perspective, I would call it an incredibly powerful fellow. It's the only one I've known in yeah. this regard, but yeah. it's really powerful and yeah. it's really. Uh, I have to be honest. I I wrote a post about this that I think is pretty funny, but I have trouble finding AA meetings. I'm sorry, you guys, but I oh you I'll actually get online the physical like, meetings. Yes, I can't find them. I've been I'm I'm in I'm up here in Georgia, and I got online to try to find it um, a, a meeting, and it, it's not easy for me. I don't know whether it's my learning differences or or <laughs> or what, but I, I don't find it's not as if they pop up quite easily for yeah. me anyway there's an app for that there is an app for <laughs> there's that. an app, app for, for everything, everything. Right. <laughs> um well yeah i mean i don't know what the community, community i mean you in my mind you said it chris one of the things that you hear a lot in in and out of meetings when you're talking to addicts and alcoholics is that terminal u- uniqueness mm-hmm. you know i know when i first got sober i felt like I was the only person in the world that had this affliction. Mm-hmm. Nobody had it as bad as I had it. Right. And, and um, y- however you can form a community and, and generate a little bit of empathy right. and a little bit of accountability and, and just realize that, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're, none of us are one iota as unique as we think we are. No. Um, mm-hmm. I took a lot of solace in that. Yeah. Matt, do you try to stay away from people who use or drink? Not necessarily. I, um, you know, and I think I think early on, the first time I got sober, which was 13 years ago, it was really difficult for me to be around alcohol. Um, but and and difficult for me. I I never see drugs, so that's not a problem for me. But um, alcohol, it's you know, I it doesn't bother me. It hmm. doesn't bother me. I can go into a bar. I can go and and. I think a lot of that is just because I kind of the, that social connotation that went along with drinking and using was severed for me so long ago. It became such a solitary pursuit. Mm-hmm. Just being around it is is no big deal. I mean, when I mm-hmm. when I work with these guys, we were gosh it, inundated. Yeah, you know, we worked on beer. We the worked three on of us beer yeah. and then hard liquor. Hard liquor, and, right? I mean, yeah. Jeff and I went to you know whiskey tastings sober right. and um uh and brewery tours and all that weird yeah. stuff. But but no, I, it just it lost that social connotation of me so long ago and people yeah. people who you know my um relatives who'd come to stay with my family would say matt do you mind if i have a drink and mm-hmm. i i got tired of saying it's not that i don't like alcohol yeah. i love alcohol i think everyone should drink as much right. as they can i just can't <laughs> it's not so like by a, all means right. dive in right. i mean it's not like a peanut allergy i'm not gonna <laughs> no no exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, you know, back to my my uh, my dinner party the other night. There was I the one of the people that were giving the party asked me what I drank. You know, do, do you do you want wine? Do you want beer? Do you want cocktails? What do you want? And I said, well, I don't drink. And and um, after that, there was sort of this this smattering of emails. Oh, is it okay if we drink? Are you all right? These are people I don't know very mm-hmm. well, so they mm-hmm. were all trying to get to the bottom of it. But I wish they wouldn't do that. You know, I, I felt very awkward about it. Obviously, afterwards, they they weren't particularly sensitive to my situation, right. but but it it felt very awkward for me to have to explain that I was okay with them drinking. And yeah, what's your stock answer? Like, what do you say? Do you tell him I'm in recovery, or do you just say I don't drink, or what? Do My you, son what? asked me that. He said, "He said, well, did you tell them you write a write a yeah. sobriety like, blog?" Here's what I do. <laughs> Check yeah, it I'm going to be writing about you guys, right? Later. And we're going to be talking about you. So get get as drunk as you want because this is all good material. <laughs> right. Face the camera <laughs> yeah, when you're get drinking. Get my revenge <laughs> by talking about you. Right. Um, I don't have. I guess I don't have a pat answer. I just say I don't drink. I, yeah. 
you know, or I'm, I say I'm an alcoholic. I mean, I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm you know, kind of blunt about it. I've never had a problem with using the word alcoholic. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any baggage attached to it. To me, it was the term that I knew to call, say what I am. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's this whole, and it feels a little, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it. It's kind of in your face. It feels a little too in your face. Like, I, you know, I don't want to offend anybody either. Oh, yeah. Well, and I guess I, I yeah. And I, but I guess there's like a whole new movement that feels like that's too stigmatizing and it's it saddle, don't saddle yourself with calling yourself that and it's not showing self love and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't mean to be dismissive of people that it, for which that it is damaging, but. Mm-hmm. One, I don't have a problem saying that. Two, and I definitely don't have a problem saying, and I, and I just read this on uh, on like Twitter the other day, and it's, it is a great answer. I don't know if I've ever used it, but just I'm in recovery. Yeah. And then just leave mm-hmm. it that. And if they want to know what's recovery, yeah. then you explain it to them. But yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe I'm making it sound, I mean, I guess everybody doesn't have. I like that. I like I'm in recovery. Yeah. And then, I'm, you know. I'm a crazy like, alcoholic if I drank right now. You know, it's like. Right. Things that, right. <laughs> right. How do you feel about fire? <laughs> Just especially, broad strokes. Especially in this day and age when people bend over backwards if you say I'm gluten I'm going gluten free to not serve you bread. You know what I mean? It's like if Right. Right. It's like uh, you know I've, I've always just said I don't drink, and yeah. then if someone yeah. has the follow-up question why, I just always say I'm I'm terrible at it. Right. Yeah. Marilyn, did you say to the bitter end of the party, were you there late or did you get out? I stayed till the bitter end, um, but the bitter end wasn't really late. It wasn't super bitter. <laughs> it was, <laughs> wasn't like key party bitter or anything like that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But I mean, honestly, you know, it's the I, I to go to a a uh, dinner party and make sure you have your flashlight in your pocket because <laughs> to go you to go to walk my home. neighbor's house to mine is a bit is yeah. a bit rigorous, but. Um, uh, yeah, no, I stayed till the end and they were as charming and wonderful as they could be. They're great people. But, oh, that's good. Uh, so it yeah. didn't get, cause I always, I always feel like at some point drunk people are, are annoying right. if you're not drinking, like drunk, mm-hmm. drunk people, yeah. mm-hmm. they, everyone crosses a point. It's 11 right. o'clock, whatever, where it was fun and I was having fun. And then somebody's telling the same story the second time around, the third yes. time around, it's getting mm-hmm. sloppy. People are getting weird. Come people, on, you know. dance. Yeah. Right. You're like, yeah. I am done right. with all of you assholes. There's that, that two, two second blink that's more like a nap, you know, right. when they're yeah, telling like a little you a story. Nod. And there's, <laughs> yeah. there's this long blink. Especially if it's just with one eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it's bad. But um, it's just boring. You know, it used to be for me. I've yeah. said this before, but a, if you're drinking five or six or seven glasses of wine in an evening, you become garrulous. You're telling stories. Everybody's having a great time. When you're, there's only so much gassy water and mm, cranberry juice right. you can drink that's in good. a night. So true. Yeah. And, I, I, it just gets boring. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, you can drink twenty NA beers out. <laughs> well, that's Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, you have. You have I think skill. I hold the record. Really? I could. I could do a case of a dual sure, man. No You're problem. keeping them going yeah. for sure. <laughs> no, probably not for sure. I, I, I just. Uh, but I hear you. Like you can't drink. You're, you know. So after a while, you cannot drink another cranberry. I juice. can get pretty jacked up on <laughs> caffeine, and there is there is a small pleasure to be taken in kind mm-hmm. of the skybox effect where you're lucid mm. and you're watching the lunacy play mm-hmm. out. But right. you know, I mean, a lunacy. Yeah. There's a big asterisk after lunacy. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're not we're not going to crazy parties as we want. That's were. a good point. Yeah. Um, what was your post about today, Marilyn? Well, my post today was great. It was about the D2 receptor mutation. <laughs> wow! Right. And this is the part of your brain that it's it's. This is another whole topic for us. You know, the reason why, you know, there are actual um, um, physical brain related issues that predispose us to alcoholism. Oh, we have different D2 receptors. Actually, it's a mutation. You know, your, mutation. your, your D2 receptor is the thing that, that controls your pleasure center or de- hmm. dopamine. Okay. And, and alcoholics tend to have a, a, a mutation, which means that there's, there's, there's sort of, believe it or not, that 
the the receptor it's like uh getting a massage with a padded suit on mm. we, we don't feel things as as strongly as other people do oh. so we need a little more exactly interesting that is interesting. So anyway, you just read my post. It I will, was pretty, I will. In fact, everybody was like, God, what, what, what's with you? All this scientific stuff. That's cool. Mutants, eh? Hey, he's up, Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're X-Men <laughs> exactly. is what she's saying. That's cool. I guess that would, that would explain some of the hereditary right. nature of the disease, but... Yeah. Now, you said, you said both your parents um, are in recovery, Matt? They are, yeah. They got sober on the same day about the, just over three years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, my father got sober at 63 and my mom uh, at, at 59. So they had, a, they had a good run in them, but, um, but, right. but and they've done it very much through the Alcoholics Anonymous program. But mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and my mother has three siblings, all of whom are sober at more than 20 years. So Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it runs deep. Irish Catholic, guilty people uh, love to drink. And uh, yeah. So, yeah, my grandfather was uh, an alcoholic and uh, on both sides, I have it coming at me. So, yeah, no surprises there. No surprises there. I'm sure someday I will. I mean, it'd be naive of me to assume that uh, I have two children and at at some point we'll have to discuss it i know you guys have done a podcast on that that very topic before but yeah. um it's an inevitability it is it's crazy and i felt i've you know there's been periods where i feel like because i i'm aware now that you know we got this under control they've had that notion before but that's just not the case i mean you look at mm-hmm. you know the, the high profile nature like robert downey jr and his son you know what they're going through mm-hmm. um you know there's no inoculation mm-hmm. no. against it. Um, Awareness alone isn't, right. sometimes it isn't enough. So, Especially with those damn kids. I know. I worry about my son, but he's a college student, so I'm going to let him finish out his college years before I get worried about him. I think that's smart. I think that's wise. <laughs> Unless he's flunking out. <laughs> no, he's doing okay. Yeah. Do you see the report cards? Yeah. <laughs> he's going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... Um, let's all isolate. Yeah, let's and, all go uh, um, do some isolation for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> isolation for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so you're you are now uh, permanently ensconced on a mountain in Georgia. Is that the deal? I, I don't think it's permanent, but oh. I am for the moment. Okay. I was I was I was feeling the need for a change. Okay. Mm. And I think I'm going to like it. Why did you ask Chris about the the gallery? Were you just... uh... I was wondering, in terms of isolation, we talked about Matt, how he sort of professionally pushed those, you know, those people, Mm -hmm. you know, isolated in that regard. And, you know, I know at the end, and I've I've talked about this before and and written about it um, in my story, but, you know, I had a job that I just woke up after a bender, a solo bender, a weekend long, a weekend of drinking alone mm-hmm. in the house, mm-hmm. a lot. I woke up on a Monday morning, um, you know, just incredibly hungover and just thought the best thing to do would be, you know, hair of the dog it and proceeded to, you know, get drunk th- throughout the morning and just didn't go in, never called, never went back. Right. And... um that was just it. And that was it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in terms of that story, just, you know, I had already p- uh, pushed away my my then girlfriend has, was long since gone. I was just a dude alone in a house. Drinking. Um, the, you know, my dad wasn't living there, and I've told yeah. this before, just drinking. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I was a dude alone in a house drinking. Yeah, it's a full-time um, vocation, man. And, uh, and, you know, occasionally doing drugs. So, you know, I had that to mix it up. Yeah. But... Uh, no, so why I asked was sort of who you might be beholden to at the end, like what sort of element? Well, it's funny because in the gallery days, that was about 10 years ago, I didn't think of myself as an alcoholic. I thought of myself as a bon vivant, you know, as, mm-hmm. as, as this great, fun gal. But, you know, I was a raging alcoholic. When I see pictures of myself curled up on the floor of the gallery, fast asleep after everybody goes home, my, my best friend has all these pictures of me. 
And I just, honestly, I didn't think of myself as an alcoholic. Our opening, our, our first gallery opening, I never turned up. I was in a hotel room, passed out. And that sounds like an alcoholic story, doesn't mm -hmm. it? I never yeah. thought of myself as, as an alcoholic. So, But I did have to be there. Uh, and I had to be there for a period of time. So, so obviously from you know, all the daytime hours, I, I wasn't able to, to drink. Although I did drink at lunchtime. I did. Arty people. Who can, you know, what are you going to do? Hey. And the gallery business is all about giving parties. That's yeah. all. You, you, you know, you hang the show, you have an opening, everybody drinks and buys art and that's how it, that's how it works. Yeah. Oh yeah. My early twenties, they, the gallery openings kept me in wine mm -hmm. for years in Chicago. <laughs> we, we would just oh, hop yeah. from opening you're, to you're opening. You're one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, no question. Yeah. yeah. I really like art. Free drinks. I really like your wine. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. All right. All right. Marilyn, good to hear from you. It's good to yes. hear from you guys. It's very yeah. nice talking to you, Marilyn. Right. Yeah. Yes, it's nice meeting you, Matt. All right. And this is, yeah, this has been interesting. We'll have to figure out. I was just telling the guys here beforehand that just the nature of the week and timing that I hadn't really thought this episode through in terms of structure or anything. But I think it was great. I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, we'll figure out now that we've... Uh, You'll cut out the lulls in our conversation. Well, I'll definitely do that. I'll definitely do that. But now that we've uh, made, made made it happen, we'll figure out how to make it happen again. Um, yeah. That's fun. All right. All right, guys. All right. Thanks, Marilyn. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.